are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. What would life be like without warning signs? What would your life be like without warning signs? Think about the stop signs, the yield signs, the no trespassing signs. Anybody ever walk past a no trespassing sign? Warning signs, deer crossings, warnings about geese crossings and turtle crossings. Thank God for warning signs. There's the COVID warning signs, social distancing, avoid touching, wear face mask. That's just in our church, warning signs. And we are in the middle of the hurricane season. The Atlantic hurricane season runs from June 1st through November 30th, and This is a time where we get to hear a lot of warnings. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Climate Prediction Center of the United States Department of Commerce, try to say that a few times, is forecasting uh, an uptick in storms this year for 2020. They're saying that likely there'll be between 13 and 19 named storms. Winds of 39 miles and above. They say out of those 13 to 19 storms, named storms, six to 10 of those will be classified as hurricanes, meaning they'll be about 75 miles per hour or more. And of those six to 10, three to six of those will be major hurricanes, meaning they're category three, four, five. uh, wind of over 110 miles an hour or so. And so this organization, this NOAA, N-O-A-A organization, says that they predict, they think that their prediction is going to be about 70% accurate, and which is great. They have a confidence level of about 70%. I don't know what that means, but they are, they are confident that 70% of what they're saying is accurate. So surely my message today is about 70% accurate. An average hurricane, uh, the average number of hurricanes uh, during this time is somewhere around 12 named storms, I should say, and six, uh, we average about six hurricanes and three major hurricanes a year. But what we understand and we're, we kind of are used to it is during this time, there are hurricane warnings, storm warnings constantly happening. They come because the storms are coming. And I want to preach and I feel burdened on my heart. I, I would love to send you away shouting and dancing today, but I feel directed of the Lord to preach uh, on this subject it's coming. It's coming. I was getting my haircut yesterday, 
And my barber was talking about how crazy things are in our world. And I had had several conversations with her prior to this, so I knew that she was a Christian. So I just said, you know, Jesus told us that this is exactly what the last days would look like. And she asked me in all seriousness, and she said maybe in a statement more, but it was a question, do you really think we are living in the last days? I I answered her, I think the signs sure do seem to tell us that. And I'm not sure what is needed to convince us that we're living in the last days, but I think we're living in the last days. Matthew chapter 24 you've been around church any length of time, you've read these passages, but I want to revisit them for just a second because the question just staggers me a little bit. Do you really think we're living in the last days? Jesus said, or his disciples came to him and they said, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. When will he know it's the last days? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Let me say quickly here that any time we think about the coming of the Lord and we see where uh, our society is going... I think we must be reminded of Jesus' words, do not be troubled. Do not be fearful. The things that Jesus tells us is not so we can be fearful, but it's so we can be prepared for his coming. And he said, don't be troubled. He said, for verse 7, for nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I don't want us to be surprised as a church. I love America. I love the history and what, what has happened because America has been free. The spreading of the gospel. We certainly have dark parts of our history and things that are, are evil in our history. But I'm not here to bash America today, but I want us to understand something, that God in his word helps us understand that in the last days, lawlessness would abound. It's hard to conceive. It's hard to conceive that we would ever be in a country that would seemingly push up against law. 
But I don't want us to be afraid of that. I don't want to have this sense of, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Jesus told us exactly what would happen, that lawlessness would abound and the love of many would grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. That's what we're moving to. He who endures. Now, this is not talking about preserving your life or somehow being able to survive the anarchy and survive the chaos. No, he's not talking about that because he said in previous verses, some are going to be killed for the gospel's sake. What he's talking about with endurance is that you would endure. You would actually have faith no matter what the day looks like, no matter how lawless it gets, you're able to endure your spiritual life. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. He who endures to the end shall be saved. It's a warning. Do we really think this is the last days? The book of Hebrews in the Bible seems to be a warning letter for early Christians. Hebrews chapter 3 warned against disobedience in our walk with God said, you know the truth, but you do the opposite. Hebrews chapter 4, he warned about deserting our walk with Christ, walking away from God over hurt and disappointment. In Hebrews chapter 10, he warns about rebelling against him and, and, and our walk with God opposing God in such a, a significant way as if you changed the team that you played for. In Hebrews chapter 12, he warned about worldliness and the dangers that lie in clinging to the world and living in a way that simply pleases your own life and, and being afraid to be different and to be holy and to be righteous. In Hebrews chapter 12, he also warns about our unwillingness to hear and listen to God, about ignoring God's call in our life. And it's this warning letter over and over because he's warning and saying there's storms that will come. There will be spirits that come, there will be attitudes that prevail in the earth and be warned that it's coming. And unfortunately, we realize that it has deadly consequences, like storms that are ignored that have deadly consequences. When we ignore the warnings of God, it has deadly consequences. But I would argue that it's not just spiritually harmful for you, but it's spiritually harmful for those that you could have influenced. You could have reached for God had you served God with everything that you had. And so I stand here today feeling a little cautious, to feeling a little bit uh, burdened to, to to warn our congregation, to warn the church that I, 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 I don't know all the particulars. I don't have a sense of when the storm is just going to sweep over and ravage everything, but I want us to know that it's coming. And I can't be silent and act like the Bible doesn't tell us that the day that we're living in wasn't already prepared and already told us that it was coming. But I look at Hebrews and I look at the, the warnings. But I look at the first warning that comes and that's what I want to focus on today. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, Therefore, 
we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. He's talking about here those who would be among the church who would instead of keeping a hold on their walk with God would somehow find themselves drifting away with a careless attitude, an apathetical attitude or behavior that causes them to suddenly be distant from Christ when the storm is raging. And this apathy and carelessness is reckless, it seems. But I would propose that it's not necessarily intentional. I I don't believe that we drift away from God intentionally or in some calculated manner where all of a sudden we say we don't want anything to do with God, but rather it's the uncalculated, unintentional life that finds itself distant from God and you don't know, how did I get so far from what I knew and what I used to do and the the, the way I used to live for God? How did it get here? I'll tell you how it happens. You just drift. You just drift. It's not this intentional walking away. It's just drifting kind of going along, walking down the path of least resistance, the shortest path, the easiest path, floating downstream, not willing to paddle in the rapids. It's just drifting. The Bible gives us different ones in Scripture as a warning. You look at the story of Lot, and I'm not going to go through a bunch of stories in Scripture, but I'm reminded of Lot today, Abraham's nephew, who their servants began to quarrel and fight amongst each other. And it was Lot and Abraham who came to the point of where are we going to go from here? And Abraham gave him the choice, where are you going to go? Which way are you going to go? And Lot said, you know what, I'll go where it's easiest. Where it looks like it would be easy. I'll just take my family that way. And we know where that ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't walk away intentionally. He didn't get involved in that intentionally. He didn't lose his family intentionally. He just made a decision that seemed easier in the moment. And it was Samson who wrestled with this in his life when, when, when he felt the pressure, when he felt the pushing. He said, I think I'll do what's easiest for me. And it caused him to lose his sight and his life. We can read through scriptures amazing people of faith who in their own moments somehow drifted, drifted. And so the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard lest we drift away. Give the more earnest heed. Put focus on it. The possibility of drifting is something all Christians should be aware of. And I also realize that as we drift... There's a few things to understand about drifting. That when you drift, you drift towards sin. 
and away from doctrine in God's Word. Nathan Varnum made this statement to me years ago and has basically ruined my life. But he said, an airplane is always trying to fall to the ground. Isn't that sad? Those of you who are flying tomorrow or this week, good luck with that. The airplane is always trying to fall to the ground because gravity has its way. And the only reason an airplane stays in the air is because of the power of the engine. But the moment you get careless and casual and turn off the engine and quit pushing, it's coming down. I was in Palau a few years ago. We were flying Jacob, uh, prophet, I don't know if he's in here, there he is. Uh, you probably remember this, Alex, I don't know if you were there. This, we were flying in the little plane over top of the island, and the, the pilot cut the engine. Whew. That was a little unnerving. The plane wants to go down. And let me tell us today, you don't drift towards heaven. When you stop working on your relationship with God, when you stop putting in effort and time, there's only one way you're going. It's away from heaven, and it's towards earth. You don't drift towards holiness. You don't drift towards righteousness. You drift towards sin. You drift towards carnality. You drift towards the flesh. And that's the danger in drifting. That's why he would warn them in Hebrews, be aware that you give heed, earnest heed to the things that you have heard. Earnest heed. Pay attention to the things that you have heard, lest you drift away. So he writes in Hebrews chapter 10, he tells us, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Don't think for a moment that us not being able to be in church with each other every week and us not being able to be in fellowship and around the family of God, don't think that it doesn't take a spiritual toll on your life. It does. And that's why we've got to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Right now, we're not able to assemble like we, can, we want to. And it has an effect on our spiritual life. And so the writer of Hebrews says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. The storm is coming. The day is coming. And so we are challenged today to consider, to give more earnest heed to the things that we have heard and the things we know. Because the other reality of drifting is we drift towards complexity and away from God's simple mission and purpose for our lives we drift towards complexity. We add things to our life. We add to our schedule. We add to our workload. We add 
things in life, so much so that we just, before we realize it, our attention is no longer on the things of God. And it's on the things that are around us. And drifting happens when we are distracted. Happens when we add things to our life that cause our attention to move away from God. So he says, pay careful attention and give heed. Give the more earnest heed to the things that you have heard, lest you drift away. Been doing some work in the home, and we're redoing our storage and everything. And we've been married almost 20 years. <clears throat> and man, we've got a lot of stuff. You just collect stuff. You just keep bringing stuff into your life. And really, ultimately, it causes us to be distracted. You know, they, they have the warnings, don't text and drive. And I think those are good warnings. But I would maybe add a warning, don't text in church. No texting and churching might be dangerous. Now, I, I might be guilty of this a little bit, maybe once or twice, but the reality is the online church forum has allowed us to be distracted while we're going to church, doing a lot of other things while we're going to church. More people have died, more people die every year taking selfies than are attacked by sharks. Think about that. You may be seated. But there's a reason for that. Because people are distracted. They're not paying attention. They're just kind of going through life. And all of a sudden, tragedy strikes. Something they weren't expecting happens. And it takes their life. We're in a distracted culture. And if we think we can somehow live distracted and grow spiritually, we're in error. We're naive to the principles of God's word. In relationships, we hear people say, we just kind of drifted apart. And that can happen. It happens in life. It happens in relationships. It happens in things that, that are, are going on around us. We just kind of drift from things. And the one thing that we had our attention on suddenly kind of fades in the background and becomes second in priority. And so the writer of Hebrews says, therefore... We must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. Give heed to what you've heard. See, that's the remedy of all the things. How, how do you not drift? You give attention to the things in God's word. You put effort into the things of God's word. You give attention to the power of God's word in prayer and fasting and reading his Bible. Just simple things. It's not complex, but it's giving heed to the things that you've heard. So I conclude today. Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, 
that great sermon. I encourage you to read it in Matthew chapter 6 and 7. Probably take you 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's worth, worth listening to. The sermon is dedicated to helping people understand the wisdom of God. You have heard it said, but I say. And he talks about anger. He talks about lust. He talks about judging people. All these things in our life. And he concludes at the end of that Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, that's the only difference, just simply does not do what the Word of God says, you will be a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was, it, great was its fall. It just drifted because the foundation it was on drifted with the flood. When Luke describes this and he talks about the Sermon on the Mount, Luke chapter 6, I love the way He says it, and he pulls out the words of Jesus, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Jesus says this to them, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. That stood out to me because it wasn't just I happened upon a rock and built a house. It was I was actually intentional to dig through the earth, to dig down and find stability Because that's the real power of the word. That you can dig through the, the earthly and fleshly and carnal things in your life. And you can find the wisdom of God's word. And you can anchor your life on there. Because the reality is this. In both ways, whether you build on the rock or you build on the sand, it's coming. The rain is coming. The flood is coming. The wind is coming. And the question is, are we going to be drifted away or are we going to stand firm? Are we going to endure to the end? So he said, but he who heard and did nothing. He who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against with the with the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. It's not a question of whether the rain's coming, the storm's coming. I I don't know if what we're going through as a nation is just a 
a blimp on the radar. I don't know if America will be different a year from now or if it's going to be 50 years from now. But lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. The question's not if the storm's coming. It's coming. The rain's coming. It's where are you going to be anchored to? What are you building your life on? And he says in Hebrews chapter 2, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Verse 2, For if the words spoken through the angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That word neglect there is simply unconcerned. Receiving a salvation, but unconcerned with the outcome. Not giving heed. Not living our lives in a way that seeks to please the Lord and honor the Lord in every area of our life. I'll tell you, when the storm comes, we're going to have nothing to hold on to. There will be a day that comes. The storm and the winds will blow. But I'm telling you, we have a hope. And his name is Jesus. So I tell you today, with great burden, to give heed to the things you've heard. This time is challenging on our spiritual life. We have to give heed. Some of you need to dig back into the dirt and Find that hook and find what you were anchored to and reattach yourself to the word of God and the power of God and the disciplines of God because the warning has been told. Is this the last days? I don't see how it's not the last days. On May 22nd, 2011, 158 people died when a large, violent tornado struck Joplin, Missouri. Not that long ago, a lot of people. We had all the technology pretty much that we have today. The sad reality was, though, that the tornado warnings had been issued and the sirens had sounded, but residents, most residents, did not immediately take shelter How often is that the case in our lives? We are used to hearing the sound. We're used to hearing the the scriptures. We're used to hearing it. That warning just kind of becomes background noise. And in the meantime, there we go. We're drifting. Drifting. Away from the principles of God's word. Away from the things of God's word. I feel the touch of the Lord just one more time reminding us not to forget it's coming. The day is approaching and our hope is that we're anchored to Jesus Christ in every area of our life. Would you stand with me this morning?
I don't want God to just become another event during the week. I don't want it to just be another program that I watch. God is calling us, I believe, to a fresh consecration and dedication to Him. To dig deep. Because it, it will take some deep dig, deep digging to get to Jesus in some of our lives. There's some places in our life that are covered up with a lot of earth, a lot of flesh. We've got to dig deep because under there is a foundation that we need to connect to and build our life on. We were praying yesterday at uh, a house blessing for the Sanchez family and I was praying and I heard Sister Martha Burton praying and it touched my heart. And she just prayed and I don't know exact words, but it was, let this be a place of consecration. Let this house, let this room be a place of consecration. And that's what I feel for us today. Let our lives be a place of consecration. Let this heart in our homes be a place that is consecrated to God. Because it's so easy for us to just drift. We're distracted. We're not gathering together as much. We're struggling maybe to read God's word like we should and pray and fast. We're not getting that spiritual affirmation all the time. But I'm telling you, God has a work and he wants to use us in this hour. Even if the storm is bad, he wants us to stand and endure. And if it ultimately cost us our lives, think about it now. If it ultimately cost us our lives, it's still worth it. I'm not going to be afraid of what culture is going to bring my way. I'm going to stand firm in the hope of Jesus Christ because he said in the last days, this is the way it would be. I want to pray for us today. I wonder if somebody, we're not going to physically come to this altar, but I wonder if somebody would build an altar right now in your heart. Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to dig through and say, God, I'm reattaching my life to you. God, I bow my heart to you today. Lord, we come to you as a congregation. We're hungry for you. We're desperate for you. God, give us, God, your grace and your mercy today. God, we don't deserve, God, what you've offered to us. But Lord, here we are today needing you, needing your help, needing, God, your grace today. I wonder if you'd lift your voice in some way and make a consecration to God. Pray a prayer of consecration, a rededication to God. Lord, here I am today. Here I am, God, bowing my heart to you bowing my life to you. God, so easily we can drift
from your calling and your purpose. But Lord, here we are today just being reminded, God, that you want to walk through, walk with us through this storm. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.